Welcome to the SAP HCM Insights Podcast, everyone. I'm Steve Bogner, Managing Partner at Insight Consulting Partners, here with our podcast team to talk about the recent Success Connect conference. And uh, with us today, we've got Luke Marson and Jarrett Pazahanek and Sven Ringling and our newest official member of the podcast team, Amy Grubb. Welcome, Amy, to the team. Great. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for the, the invitation. Yeah. It's great to be official. Yeah, it, it is official. Um, so um, I was not at Success Connect, and Sven, I think you uh, you were not either. So we might have some we might have some questions, just uh, you know, that might seem a little obvious. But so Amy, um, you know, you've been to probably the most Success Connect conferences of of anyone here. Um, what was your impression of the conference, and you know, how's it developed, and what were some of the the key takeaways for you? Yes, you know, I was thinking while I was there last week, I was on the, the expo floor, just kind of looking around at all the, the booths and the size of everything and the number of people milling around. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> thinking back on past Success Connects, I think my first Success Connect was in 2011 when it was just Success Factors. Um, it was, as you can I'm, imagine, so much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, they had it in San Francisco. But just kind of thinking back, you know, over how this event has changed and grown in the last several years, and I was really, um, really blown away. I-, I thought last week was a really great event. Um, I always enjoy Success Connect um, because there's just a lot of, you know, obviously it's all customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have access to customers to hear their stories, um, great access to SAP product managers and, you know, to see and hear what the direction of the product. That's always exciting. And then great, great keynote speakers. I mean, you know, obviously Mike Etling was there. Um, Phil McDermott was in person this year. That was, I thought, amazing. Um, and I really enjoyed the interaction between him and Mike. Um, I, my, Magic Johnson just Magic Johnson? Down. Really? Magic Johnson brought the house down. Uh, I'm a huge Lakers fan growing up in Southern California. So, okay. you know, it's the Magic era. But what a what a motivational um, speaker he is! Very dynamic. Came out into the crowd and pulled people out of their seats and spoke directly to them. Um, great energy and really um, really inspirational in terms of mm-hmm. what he's done to give back to the community. And just spoke about how um, you know diversity in his organizations has made um, his businesses just a richer. Um, environment and you know better experience overall so that was uh, that was great to see but you know generally I thought it was great I'm sure everybody's surprised to hear that because I'm you know such a success factors detractor but <laughs> yeah I, I thought it was great I'm looking forward to uh, April even though that's going to be here before we know it so uh, next year's success connect is April 3rd through the 5th mm-hmm. um, so yeah I, I Looking forward to. It. I think um, it's been an exciting year so far, and uh, looking forward to seeing how the rest of 2016 plays out. You know, you you talked about how uh, Magic Johnson talked about diversity, and I remember reading a few press releases from Success Factors that they are doing more with um, diversity and building some features into the software for that. Do you know anything about that? You're, you you or uh, Luke or Jarrett? I mean, I, I guess I can jump in on one one thing that that was um, sort of near and dear to my heart is uh, some a lot of the diversity and and the bias 
initiatives that they have. And one thing that Thomas Otter talked about is uh, every product decision going forward, they're going to look to try to build um, that angle into the offering. So they showed a pretty simple job requisition example, but I'll be honest, it had never occurred to me that job requisitions can have unconscious bias in it. And, and, and they showed an example where just you know, certain words that you, that you use will uh, you know, dictate who will apply, which is, which is pretty interesting. And I think it can go a lot broader than that. Um, you know, I've been blessed with both a son and a daughter and the thought that if they both work equally as hard, my daughter won't get the same opportunity and the same pay, you know, it, it's really upsetting to me. And so I, this is one of those things, and I think Magic talked about it, and, and, and it was talked about several different times, the fact that it's a good initiative for SAP. It's a good initiative for companies as well. You know, having a diverse workforce makes you a better company. And, and, it, and it's, it's, a, it's just the right thing to do. So to me, like when you can have, when you're growing in the direction of something that's a, a win for SAP, it's a win for customers, and it's a, it's the right thing to do. I mean, how can you not support that? So, um, and just one other thing about that is you, you can tell where sometimes where executives are, you know, they, they'll come up and they'll talk about something, but someone like Thomas Otter, you could just see from the, he wore a, uh, a shirt. I can't remember the exact wording of the shirt, but it, but it was, but it was very good on the front and the back. And you can tell that he has a real passion in this area, and 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 he's involved in uh, a lot of the uh, product decisions as well. So I think this is something we'll hear a lot more about um, going forward. Right. I mean, there's definitely bias out mm -hmm. there, but I think there also there, there's unconscious bias, and and I think that you know the that's the thing that that I think that. Once it becomes more aware to organizations, things can be done about it. If people that are biased, doesn't matter what software you have, it's going to be yeah, hard sure. to change change that. But but I'd like to think that there's a lot of people out there, maybe like you and I were before we we had um, daughters in our life that we we thought we were doing the right thing and we wanted to do the right thing, but maybe we weren't. Yeah. You know, maybe we were writing up a job requisition that said. You know, we want a alpha something or this and that or certain where I don't think we were, but certain words that were really uh, leading us towards a candidate. And, and maybe that's not what we yeah. wanted to have. Well, so just, I think it's just out of ignorance. So so the yes. software is going to help people with those requisitions, with the wording. Is it um, going to do something for that? Yeah, so what they showed was like a job requisition and then it's got like a equivalent of a spell checker mm -hmm. and it spell checks words that have uh, some type of, and I'm not sure if this was just beta or the show for the, you know, uh, vaporware at this mm -hmm. point, but the thought process was is it would spell check the job requisitions and this is just the start. Um, I, I had a chance to talk to some of the folks on the workforce analytics team and they were telling me that there's been offerings in workforce analytics for quite a while that handle that. So to me, it's going to be a combination of things. It's going to be mm -hmm. existing offerings they have raising the exposure on it, as well as embedding new pieces of functionality um, um, in this domain area. So Sounds like legal scan for diversity to me. A little bit, yeah. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Well, and I think um, if I remember right on... Oh gosh, just probably a year or two ago, Mark Ingram was talking about, um, you know, one of the things he wanted to see in the recruiting software was maybe using HANA for contextual analysis of 
requisitions. So, you know, maybe maybe uh, they listened to Mark. Maybe that's his idea that they implemented. Who knows? I so let's not get. Yeah, confused. I doubt it. Yeah, that's kind of silly. <laughs> so, Luke, um, you were out there too. What did you see that is worth mentioning? Well, I thought it was a fabulous conference. Really, um, it was a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement. It was very big. Um, I think that two days is still too short for a conference with so much content and so many um, customers and partners and sessions there. Um, I still would like to see it maybe move to three days um, or at least two and a half days. But overall, I, I really enjoyed it and I had some really good um, conversations with uh, various members of SAP Success Factors uh, executive team and, and sales team and and customers and all sorts all sorts of other people as well and and there's clearly now I mean I think we, by now we all know that the the cloud is firmly here um, and 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 the one thing I noticed that is really a lot of people are seeing SAP on premise as legacy technology now not even something that's kind of coexisting like maybe a year or so ago as many are seeing it as as something that they they're going to need to replace at some point with something more modern um, and the one, the one area that's still, I think, probably the biggest gap we could say, if we wanted to use that phrase, is payroll in the cloud. It's still hosted, and and there were some some big announcements there, and and some lively Twitter conversation about, you know, some of the new programs that they appear looking at. You know, I had some conversations with with Mike directly on 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 the Monday morning about about that, and we had some conversations with a few of the other folks at SAP regarding payroll, and I, I understand what SAP are doing and why they're doing it. I don't know if really there is the the real business case for a lot of people to you know, lift and shift their payroll into the cloud when it works, and when the only difference is really it's just going to be managed. I think until there's maybe um, a cloud, a, you know, a genuine cloud-based or next-generation payroll, I don't really see right now how a lot of customers are going to are going to want to do that. You know, and and, and you know, when you want to just move everything into EC, keep your payroll on premise, it's not always just a lift and a shift. It's not straightforward. You don't want to replicate your core HR. Um, as it is on premise exactly into EC, but you do want to probably replicate your payroll directly as it is. And then all of a sudden you're coming across different processes and data matches. And some customers are, will already be finding this, but trying to do payrolls a list, a list and shift in that scenario is going to have a lot of challenges. So I'm a little skeptical about the whole program. As much as I think there is some value there and there will be some customers that are definitely going to get something out of it, I don't think it's the answer right now. Maybe more of a, you know, a holding pattern between maybe this and then, and, and another, you know, longer-term payroll solution. But other than that, I thought a lot of the announcements I heard were were good. Um, the the um, App Center is a little bit of overlapping with some other offerings from SAP, but it does bring together a lot of different um, solutions and different areas in one place for success factors customers. Um, you know, and I was very proud to see uh, um, my my fledgling company's logo up on, on stage in the keynote um, with regards to that. Um, but one of the things I noticed speaking to a lot of customers is, is just how much of a buzz there is around um, 
um, employee central. Um, now it's it's just everyone's talking about it and thinking about it, and people are having it on the roadmap, even if they're not looking at it now, which I think is a bit of a shift from what I've seen in the last twelve to eighteen months. Um, and that's why I think one of the reasons why you know Mike talked about payroll as well, because as I said, it kind of goes hand in hand in that for a lot of customers. Yeah. So I'm curious about the the App Center. Um, curious from from you guys, um, from what you've seen of it. I mean, what's the uptake with customers and you know, how often are those things going to um, be used? Is it really that much of a of a feature, or is it just you know everyone's got to have an app center? So, yeah, I mean, I think right now that's what it is. I mean, I, I think strategically, app center makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, because at the end of the day, if we can get non HR centric people delivering apps they'll unlock things that HR people being just too close to the action could never have thought of. So I do believe it's, it's very similar to the iPhone. You'd never think you would use your iPhone to measure things and do all these other things that we were using it for. And it's because people thought of apps uh, that make sense. But at the end of the day, there's two pieces you need to have a successful app store. You need customers knowing where that app store is and buying things. Mm-hmm. And then you need people developing apps. And very quickly, if people realize, wow, I can't make any money developing apps, then they stop doing it. And that's a challenge. SAP has had so many stops and starts with mobile apps and app I stores. That's I mean, right I now they have yeah. yeah, right now they have two or three app stores already, and now they're doing a success factors app store. You know, someone at SAP that's listening to this, please come up with one app store for all of SAP. And create tabs for each of the various areas, domain areas. And to top it off, they roll out this App Store announcement. They have 100 logos uh, on this App Store. And you click on them and nothing's behind it. And there are actually apps out there. So my thought process is how difficult was it for SAP to do the proper linkage behind so that the apps even come up. So it strikes me as something that was really rushed out rush to be announced, um, you know, more to come in Q4. So to me, I love the strategy. Uh, I hate there's so many app stores out there. And I think the, the jury is still out if customers are willing to buy apps. Um, because I, I saw in the SAP world, buying third-party products for some companies is often um, uh, have to go through various channels, a oh, lot yeah. of decision making goes through it. So I'd like to think that there's, you know, that that will change going forward and there'll be maybe lower priced apps. But uh, at the end of the day, I think a lot of stuff has to, has to happen before we start to see a substantial uptake, even though there's some great offerings up out there already uh, from some providers mm-hmm. like Enterprise Jungle. And I would just add that, I mean, in my experience, Customers tend to buy applications from their account executives. They don't buy them from app stores. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that will change very much. But to Jared's point, I do think the app centers are more about exposure than anything else. You know, the, you know, the more casual HR professional may browse to the app center from time to time and find something they, that they think might be useful. They might get a couple of ideas and then they can go and have that conversation with their team. And ultimately, then the you know 
whoever's in, in, in charge of, of procurement or purchasing may then reach out to their SAP account executive and make that purchase mm -hmm. as opposed to through the App Store. But I do think, I, I think there's value there. I just don't really understand if it's going to have a, a, a huge impact. Um, especially, especially, as Jack mentions, with a lot of the other app stores around and with the fact that procurement often isn't going to take place using yeah. uh, a credit card on an app store. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I was thinking that, you know, you know, I work with pretty large companies though. And I know that anytime you talk about bringing some new software into the, the company, it's a, uh, it's a big deal. I mean, you, you can't just download something from the app store and plug it into employee central or success factors and, and be done with it. It's a, it's a more complicated process than that. So that's why I was curious about the App Store and, and your guys' take on it. So, uh, Jarrett, one of the other things you mentioned, or no, I think, Luke, you mentioned it, was the uh, the hosting of payroll. Yeah, that was, yeah, Luke, you talked about that. So, um, and, and that's something I wanted to circle back to you because payroll is kind of one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing the business case for a lot of companies for that. Um, from what I read in the release, um, success factors was... Um, talking about, you know, you can con convert it from capital expenditures to operating expenditures. And, okay, so I've never really heard that as a big justification. Uh, I mean, that's a, a benefit, but it's not the only reason you do something. Um, and it's a, if it's lift and shift, then, you know, how much value is there in that lift and shift? So, yeah, and, and Luke, I have the, the same sort of uh, uh, opinion, I think, that, that you mentioned, which was, um, eventually, SAP success factors will have to come out with some truly cloud-based payroll. And um, the problem, I think, with that is that payroll is, it takes a lot of resources to develop. And then you have to localize it for, what, how many countries? SAP has probably, with third parties, you can support 70 to 80, maybe 100 countries. So that's a huge, huge effort. And I can I can understand why a company wouldn't want to invest a lot of development resources into a whole new payroll module uh, and time module. But, um, you know, at some point, you got you to gotta replace it. So it'll be interesting to see how all of this develops. So, Jarrett, you, you've done a lot of work with payroll, too. What's your perspective? Yeah, first, I mean, I think we should link to an article that uh, Sherry Ann Meyer from ASOG uh, published today because it's, it's excellent. It has a lot of the pros and cons, very balanced. But... To me, I think the real winner in this and the people that should be that are really excited are the Epi users and Accentures of the world. Um, as far as customers go, I personally don't see the value in it. I'm not seeing a lot of big customers that are, you know, looking to the last piece that they have on premise is SAP payroll. Mm -hmm. Many of these shops, you know, I can see maybe if you're totally moving to the cloud, but a lot of these companies still have some type of footprint uh, if they're running SAP financials or, or other things. Um, and so to me, I'm just not seeing the value. I think customers would be wiser to wait for that next generation payroll. And, and if you're going to, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, it helps you move, it helps you move in your EC journey. I, I'm a believer that you can move to EC and link back to SAP payroll mm -hmm. just as easily as you could link EC to this new managed payroll. And so I totally agree with what, with what Luke said is at, when customers start to realize 
it, they say it is a lift and shift, but there's a cost for that lift and shift, and there's other costs. And I think when customers start to dig in, my guess is the price you initially get quoted for your lift and shift is going to be X. And as these uh, the Accentures and Epi users of the world start to dig in, oh, you have a custom function. Oh, you have this. Oh, you use time management. We can't support that. It's just going to open up this gigantic can of worms. And I think if you're going to open up those can of worms as a customer, you either look to open that can of worm up, worm up, do some process improvements, and maybe move to employee central payroll, or just keep doing what you're doing now and, and wait for that next generation payroll to come. And maybe, and maybe go around the core and, and look to add on the payroll control center. If you're going to run SAP payroll for the next five years uh, on-premise, look to, look to bring in the payroll co control center. Look at some of the bells and whistles that are already out there and maybe spend a little around the fringes, which will make a big difference, as opposed to um, doing this managed payroll. So as you can tell, I am not a fan. I'm surprised it got as much airtime as it did, and, and I think there was a lot of other things that were more important that, um, that could have been announced. And, and the funny thing was Mike said it came from customer demand. Uh, I'm in this space. I am not seeing very many customers that are demanding um, a specific offering. There's one thing I, I wasn't clear about, and even after trying to, to get this information from uh, some of those uh, vendors who, who host it, uh, admittedly only their sales uh, force, I still am not, whether this new offering basically is a core hybrid just hosted somewhere else or whether it is an EC payroll hosted somewhere else. Because that, that's different interfaces, isn't it? E EC payroll has a mm -hmm. better interface. They are quicker in, in adopting changes that happen in EC. Like at the moment, EC payroll can do more with the uh, interface better with EC time and attendance than core hybrid. Mm -hmm. um, and the other question is, what, what you mentioned, Jared, is a big one in this model. Are they allowed to and can they support uh, time eval or, or not? So at the moment, I'm not quite clear. Is it one of the two or somewhere in between? And, and that would obviously make a big difference whether it could potentially make sense for some customers. I can mm -hmm. see it one customer has a box in their basement and there used to be a lot of stuff on there now it's only payroll i can see the desire to get rid of that mm -hmm. box um and then yeah but if it's just uh, the same as the core hybrid uh, just hosted somewhere else and they can just host it anywhere then wouldn't have to be any of those three vendors right right and i and i think that's exactly what it is from my from my understanding is that is that they're just, it's a lift and shift of SAP payroll to those offerings, but it's on SAP paper. So that's the big, you know, differentiator. But to me, if it's on SAP paper versus EPIUS versus Accenture, uh, I, I guess, I guess the question would be is when we start to look at how many people are moving to EC is X, how many of those have SAP payroll is now, is another, is a lower percentage of those. How many people the last thing they have on premise from SAP is SAP payroll. So you start to narrow that down. I think you're at a small number uh, right there. And, and so to me, it's, it's a way that SAP can say, customers, if you want to fully move to the cloud, this is a way you can do it. And we're going to offer you everything, everything in the cloud. Um, but to, and you don't have to move to employee central payroll. But to me, now you're missing out on, if you move to employee central payroll, you're getting the payroll control center as part of it. You're getting a lot of other pieces to it 
And I, I guess I just don't see, and this is one of those cases where I think doing nothing is, is going to be a better long-term decision for those mm-hmm. customers than just moving to this interim solution. Cause I just don't see where the return on investment is outside of maybe some infrastructure costs. Mm-hmm. And I also think the implementation to lift and shift will cost more than most people uh, think once they start to dig down. And that's something that Sherry uh, talked a lot about in her article is make sure you start to ask all these questions and make sure there's a legitimate business case there to do that move. Because to me, it's just a intermediate stop gap move that might not add a lot of value. Mm-hmm. So what else, what else came up from the conference? What are some other notable pieces of functionality? I'll just mention one quick thing that I found very fascinating was that Bill McDermott and Mike Etling both said, and this is, you'll step back for a second, they said more dollars of the R&D budget as SAP as a whole are spent on HR than any other area, which is fascinating to me because for all of us who have been in this business a long time, wow. Uh, I can guarantee you that that has never was never the case up until recently with with the amount of functionality it was coming. So, I mean, to me that was just fascinating. When I heard it for the first time, I thought, well, hmm, that, I wonder if I that's just was being thrown out there. And then it was also mentioned again at another point in the uh, in the keynote. So I just found that pretty amazing. Um, you know, if it's true, which I have no reason to believe it's not, it just tells you that if you're an HR customer out there. SAP is spending a lot of money right now on, on their technology. And, uh, and that's something that I think um, when you're out comparing various vendors and stuff, I think you know, none of these vendors have all the functionality that's needed. And so there is a bit of a, a trust that they're going to get there. The investment dollars are going to be there. And by all indications, um, you know, SAP is investing um, a lot of money in success factors right now. And I can definitely see why, but at the end of the day, that's very good for customers. Yeah, that was mind-blowing to me as well. But I think you can see it in the product. Um, I know, you know, just, again, taking a step back, um, looking at where the product was um, even three years ago and where it is today, uh, I can definitely see that investment. And that's really, you know, that was something that I've been saying to my customers as I, you know, try and sell to them um, all this time is, Look, SAP pretty much has unlimited resources, and you're, you know, yes, it, there are some areas of the product that still need to be developed, um, but you know, they have the resources to do it. Mm-hmm. You just have to give them time. So I think them actually coming out with that was fantastic because it, it definitely shows their commitment to HR rather than it being, you know, an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's really was really interesting. Um, metric as well. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. You know, as I look at um, uh, Employee Central and Success Factors and comparing that back to what I know of on-premise SAP HCM, there's so much that's been done on the on-premise HCM that hasn't been done in Success Factors yet. It's just, it's it's amazing, right? So it's come a long way and there's still a long way to go. And, you know, I don't know if you ever really get there, Amy. You know, I think you get there probably where you can satisfy 90 some percent of all the customers needs but there's always going to be these things that are just sort of niche products or too small um you know to invest in there's always going to be something sort of on the on the fringes i think but just the mind boggles at where you know you see how far the products come and then you think about all the the 
places that the product can go, mm-hmm. and it's really just staggering. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes me wonder, how long would it have taken success factors to do this on their own without SAP, right? I mean, like you said, SAP juiced it up with a ton of resources. Um, right. Yeah. And the other way, too, how long would it have taken SAP to build out their cloud offerings? Because we saw how slow, you know, they were moving uh, up until the merger of success factors. So I think it's one of those acquisitions where yeah. uh, it was beneficial for both sides. Yep, yep. It was good. Very good. I think the other thing that, that struck me recently when I worked with uh, EC and, and other SF elements and on the same day looked into uh, other SAP products which has, have come into the SAP family more recently or just uh, partner solutions and also had the pleasure to look at competitors at the same time, how much more global success factors just fields now mm-hmm. as a product as well as an organization with the, the others I, I looked at at the same day they just all come with the stars and stripes all over mm-hmm. they, they feel very American or very un-European I don't know how Asian people feel about all of them so and, and that's 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 not just achieved with money and resources I think that, that there need to be input from people who yeah have been there all over the place and, and can bring this experience and that, that cultural diversity in. Yep. Well, and SAP had that ready to go, didn't they, Sven? Because they had the whole yep. infrastructure globally. Yep. Yeah, and, and they didn't get there overnight either. Um, you know, when I first started working with SAP in the mid-90s, early 90s, um, basically European company, and they were branching out to North America, and, you know, they very quickly, you know, invested tons of money and became a global company. Um and you know it's good to see them reuse that and and refocus that uh, development and and the R and D and the research and that whole body of knowledge into success factors. So it's it's really really good to see. It's you know, it's funny you mentioned it in in the nineties. American customers would complain that they hit pieces of documentation that were only available in German. Uh huh. And, and now you have German customers complaining that there's stuff that's only available in English. It's not much, but sometimes you're just hitting on something, uh, which is just English. So that proves it's now truly global. <laughs> you know, global something I found pretty fascinating because you see all these um, people are very tough on, oh, is it true SaaS or is it multi-tenant or hosted and all that. But they let these same companies get away with saying their product's global. And I think that, you know, every company, just like they say we're in the cloud, they equally say we're global. We support 196 countries or something like that. But when you dig down, they're really just using their American or wherever their base template globally. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's something that SAP, you know, with their SAP HCM business knowledge localizations, they have that knowledge. They have that expertise they're building it uh, out for those various countries. And so I think when these big multinational companies, uh, I think they really need to do their due diligence and really look country by country at their major places of of business where where they have a lot of employees and and ask themselves, is it really a global solution or not? Because if you're having to create, you know, all these custom fields with all these custom logic to support basic legal and regulatory requirements in those countries, you're not dealing with a you're not dealing with a global solution, and, and I think that's something that people get caught up 
and, and being a truly global solution takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of time. Mm -hmm. and, and, and some companies aren't investing that way. They're just saying that they're saying that we're global. So. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard, though, I think, Jared. I mean, first of all, I, I agree with you totally, 100%. But I think it's hard sometimes for customers to really evaluate a system on a, uh, for their global needs because sometimes the companies are very fractured between regions or countries. And, you know, the team that's doing the evaluation they don't really know what to look at for uh, Brazilian HR and payroll, right? And so, um, and it's not always easy for them to pull in and, and get a, their true global HR IT workforce to take a look at the product. Um, and so they rely on vendors and references, and, and that gets a little more dicey, dicey with that. Because if you've never seen a global system, you really don't know what to look for, right? And what to pay attention to. So it is challenging, I think. So anyway, um, that was a great podcast, guys. Um, I'm going to wrap this up here because uh, I think we've uh, covered the highlights and, and we've gone um, long enough. Of course, there's always more detail we could talk about. Um, but I appreciate all of your participation. And, and, and Amy, again, welcome to the group. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so just a reminder for podcast listeners, you can find this at insightcp.com slash insights. And from there, you can find links to uh, subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes or RSS. Um, I think those are the main main things there. And, of course, you can find us on LinkedIn, too, on our uh, SAP HCM Insights group there. Give us feedback. Let us know what you'd like to hear about. Um, argue with us. Give us kudos or tell us we're full of crap. Either way, um, that's fine. It's, it's good to have these conversations and good to get the information out there. So everyone, thanks. Have a have a great day and we'll do this again shortly. Mm -hmm.